Welcome to the Confluence Investment Asset Allocation Weekly Podcast. I'm Phil Adler, and I'm joined by Bill O'Grady, the Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist. Sometimes the stock market can behave in what can seem mysterious ways. The Asset Allocation Weekly Report dated July 10th, 2020, uses the filter of history to address the current civil rights protests in the United States, an event which on the face of it might appear to be negative for the equity market. Confluence Asset Management takes a different stance, saying that's not necessarily so. Bill, let's begin with uh, a little history lesson. What are some events in U.S. history which seemed at the time might be negative for stocks, but turned out overall to be positive? Well, wars are a textbook case. Uh, Stocks initially declined after Pearl Harbor, but rallied strongly after 1942. We saw something similar during the Gulf War. Stocks initially declined after 9-11, but rebounded sharply. In the written part of this report, we included a chart of the Dow Jones with a listing of events. These charts are popular marketing pieces because they show that despite all sorts of political and social and, and other type events, equities tend to rise over time. The general lesson is many political or geopolitical events is that the underlying fundamental factors are sound, the decline is a buying opportunity. On the other hand, if fundamental factors are unsound, a political or geopolitical event can act as a catalyst for a bear market. Let's focus for a moment on a previous period of civil unrest, the late 1960s. Was there a lasting impact on the uh, on the investment environment? The late 1960s was a period of great social and civil tumult. In 1968, we had the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy, the anti-war protests, and all sorts of racial strife. At the same time, economic fundamentals were shaky. There was a run on gold. The U.S. dollar was fixed at that time under Bretton Woods, but the gold drain showed that it would be weaker if it was allowed to float. Inflation was becoming a problem. More spending coupled with the building of the social safety net of the Great Society was straining capacity. Despite all that, equities did rally in 1968 into the 1970 recession, but after 1970, a secular bear market developed that was mostly a function of inflation. However, the inflation wasn't caused by the civil unrest. It was a function of constrained supply and a shift in inflation psychology. At the same time, the civil rights movement was an attempt to shift from cultural to economic factors. Toward the end of his life, Martin Luther King was focusing more on economic equality instead of cultural equality. To use the recent language in our analysis of the election, he was moving from identity to class interests. Well, you've written that... um that all of these events, these events from the late 60s, helped lead to the passage eventually of the Humphrey-Hawkins bill. And under the auspices of Humphrey-Hawkins, the mandate for the Fed changed in ways that do resonate today as civil unrest unfolds once again. Can you explain the current parameters for Fed decision-making? The Federal Reserve has three legally mandated roles, financial stability, inflation control, and economic growth. Within these three roles, it has great flexibility in determining how to achieve these mandates. For example, Paul Volcker argued that without inflation control, everything would be lost, and so he focused solely on that issue. Alan Greenspan showed a bias toward financial stability. So did Ben Bernanke. It appears that Jay Powell has concluded that meeting his mandate requires a narrowing of racial unemployment gaps. Does the current unrest seem 
at this point to be any different in, in any way in the sense that it might result in lasting change in, in social and economic policies? Well, lasting change is always relative. That's because none of us are immortal, at least on this earth. But what we are witnessing is likely part of a shift toward equality and away from efficiency, a trend that we have been discussing for a long time. In terms of social policy, history shows that social movements ebb and flow. The Reformation was met with a counter-reformation, for example. Reconstruction was met with Jim Crow. In terms of economic policies, a policy tends to stay in place until it becomes untenable. For example, if inflation were to return as a problem, it is highly possible that the goal of narrowing racial unemployment would be jettisoned. Is there, Bill, a good possibility that the Fed might allow inflation to rise above preferred levels in order to stimulate um, economic expansion and create jobs? The Fed has failed miserably in recent years to bring core inflation to 2%. Thus, it would be more than happy to allow inflation to rise over 2% for a while. In fact, even without the racial unemployment gap issue, the Fed has been considering a price level target instead of a rate of change target. And so the racial unemployment gap issue simply adds another reason to allow inflation to drift higher. If that's the case, what's the impact on asset allocation decision-making? Well, it will tend to be bullish for commodities, especially gold. It's supportive for equities, but a risk factor for fixed income. In our portfolios, we have added precious metals, and for those that use fixed income, we have implemented a laddering structure which partially mitigates the risk of rising interest rates. At some point, inflation will become a problem for equities as well, but we're a long way from that point in time. Thank you, Bill. You can find a link to the Confluence Investment Management Asset Allocation Weekly Report on the front page of confluenceinvestment.com. Also on that page, you can find a link to a PowerPoint presentation discussing charts which support the Confluence Outlook. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. And this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Amber.